Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Classroom Matters with me, your host, Christy Houle. And on today's episode, I get the pleasure of sitting down with author, librarian, and teacher, Kelly Hopkins. Kelly spends her days as a high school educator where she challenges her students to read with abandon. And we're gonna talk about that during this episode. Kelly's passionate about both writing and teaching, which is evident in her most recent book titled Buried Beneath, which tackles the issues of hoarding. And so I'm gonna jump right in Kelly and start this conversation with welcoming you. I am absolutely in love um, with this book buried beneath. And so what a great piece of writing. And I'm going to push that as much as I can during this episode, because I truly fell in love with this book. So welcome to the show. And thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you today. So give the audience before we jump into sort of um, what you're doing with your writing and how that can affect students, but talk a little bit about your background in education and writing and sort of the journey that brought you to what you're doing today. Well, um, I am a high school librarian. I'm also an English teacher, and I um, have only been doing that for about eight years, believe it or not. I was kind of late in the game going back to finish my bachelor's degree. And um, once I did that, I went right through, got my master's in library science, um, because I've always just loved being surrounded by books. I remember as an elementary kid going in the elementary school library, I was always the kid that was helping the librarian put the books back on the shelf and doing the scholastic book fairs. And um, there's just been a love of mine um, to be surrounded by books. I'd love to read. Um, So once I was fortunate enough to get the job here at um, my school as the high school librarian when the librarian retired, I I just felt like this was the best thing in the whole world. This this was the perfect job. I was in this wonderful place surrounded by these things I loved. Um, But I also had a little bit of a a bug for writing as well. And I started to toy with one of my first manuscripts, actually, when I was going, when I went back for my bachelor's degree, it was almost like a stress reliever. Just, Just sit down every once in a while and start writing. And that turned out to be the book that came out in July, Hybisis. But I didn't really get serious, I think, about really trying to get something published to about 2017-18 when I got a a literary agent and I started to push my books. The book um, Buried Beneath that just came out that you're talking about actually was written in um, 2019, the first draft, right before the COVID outbreak. And, you know, who would have thought that I would have been able to place not one book, but three books in the middle of a pandemic. And I'm so grateful that, you know, Buried Beneath was able to get out there and, and to see the light of day. It's, it's, it's really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you know, it really, truly is. And so I want to continue with that thread and that thought of yours on your book buried beneath. I want to read a small segment because like I've, I've said, I've read this book. I just finished it a few days ago and I'll be honest, I'll probably read it again because that's what I do when I read a book and I'm like, did I miss anything? It was, you know, and I don't want to give away a lot of the book. 
mm-hmm. you know, cause there's a lot of really twists and turns and some things that you expect and some things that you don't. Um, and some things that hit you really hard that, you know, emotionally, which is one of the reasons I love it so much. So I want to read an excerpt from this book. And then I would love to talk to you about what your inspiration was for, um, writing this book and sort of, you know, what the mental health issues are surrounding the topics of this book. So this is just a really short segment. One of my favorite segments that I was, I was reading the book, it seemed powerful, but very subtle at the same time. Um, And this is from page 47. Want to know the best day of the week? Trash pickup day. I set my alarm for 4.30 in the morning. As soon as my phone chirped, I was out of bed digging contractor-sized trash bags from beneath my mattress. I swiftly emptied my small trash can and the one in my bathroom before unlocking my bedroom door. In the hallway, I listened. My mother slept in the living room since the bedroom was uninhabitable, a fact which totally sucked. It meant I couldn't throw anything in the living room away unless she was in the shower. Those 15 minutes of privacy were like those contests where people went a shopping spree in Walmart, except I had to make sure my disposal activities would go unnoticed. I bagged magazines from behind the couch, crushed three or four of the oldest pizza boxes, grabbed water bottles and soda cans like a whirlwind, and bear hugged the bags back to my room. So that, to me, was one of the more impactful because you get an idea of what this teenager Shelly is going through um, in her life. So tell us about the inspiration for this book, Buried Beneath, and where that sort of came from and how this happened. Well, it's it's an amalgamation of a couple of different events that happened in my life that kind of brought this idea together. One, like I said, I was trying to get a literary agent for another book, and I was following some of them on Twitter. And two of these agents started to talk about having this idea that they would really like to have a middle grade book about hoarding. And I didn't think a lot about it. I didn't have an idea, but apparently that idea kind of stewed in the back of my brain for a while. And a couple of months later, I happened to um, go into my kitchen on a morning in July and find out that my kids had left pizza boxes on the, the stove from the night before. And they have a specific scent to them if they're old. Mm-hmm. And between the smell of the pizza box and this idea that I've kind of been putting together, I, I just the hoard that Shelly lived in um, coalesced in my mind. And I started to get this sense of her as a character and what she would be going through as a child who was essentially the adult in the house and, and dealing with a very ill, very dependent parent while trying to hold the teenage years together. So the inspiration, you know, came from some really strange, different little bits, but also, you know, my experience with working with teenagers for 20, over 24 years now, you know, kids are incredibly resilient. And I have seen that over and over as, you know, kids deal with all different kinds of things from, you know, illnesses in the family to deaths to, you you know, you name it. And I really admire those kids for what they're able to do. And I think I drew upon the strength that I see in the students in my building and the students that I have known over the years to create Shelly's strength, you know, so she, she is a character. The story came from so many different places, but they just worked together. 
So you mentioned your students, you know, working with students, and that leads me into my next question. Um, you know, when you're working with students for, you know, 20 years and you're interacting with these children on a daily basis, you build relationships, you get to know them. So does your work as a teacher and librarian usually inform your writing? Are there other stories that you have thought about writing that you um, got based on actual children and, and situations that they're in? Um, yes and no. I mean, I, I, I would say that some kids, and um, it's funny, the other book that I had come out this summer, Gulf of Deception, the uh, main character, Lily, um, I tease one of my former students, her name is Lily, I said how oh, I named her after you. And the kids know that I write. And, and I think that's really kind of cool, because they're always asking me things about what I'm doing. And I, I've dedicated one book to two of my kids. And they absolutely inform my writing because I have spent so much time with these students. And, um, you know, I, I can't say I will ever take one of my kids and definitely put them into a book or anything like that, but I'll borrow their first names and I'll, I'll borrow, you know, some of their mannerisms and things. But I think working with kids so long has enabled me really to be able to um, create characters that are, are genuine, that are act like teenagers, that speak like teenagers, that react like teenagers. Um, it's a highly emotional time in their life. Um, it's fraught with all kinds of stress. And um, like I said, they're, they're really incredibly resilient. And I admire a lot of my kids for, um, you know, continuing to to work so hard and just to become really great people. So I think they will always find a, a place in my books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And have you noticed an incline, you know, you've been working with these children and obviously the last two years have probably caused more stress on students, uh, more stress on the educational environment, as we all know. So are you seeing just in the kids that you're working with on a daily basis, an incline in, in, challenges with mental health, anxiety? Are you visibly noticing those things, you know, as you're interacting with these kids on a daily basis? I think um, that dealing with the pandemic, we were out from uh, March 13th, um, 2020, and didn't go back to school that year. And then we were we did go back to school last year, but it was one of those years where we're in, we're out, we're back and forth. And it, that wears on everyone. And I think it has um, impacted a lot of the kids. Now I, I deal with seniors. I teach seniors AP um, English Lit and I teach Honors English. So my kids are college bound. So they have the stress of now trying to get into college. They have the stress of trying to make up for their learning attenuation because of the way that school has been going in and out. And we as teachers are also struggling to try and get them to where they need to be when they leave us. It is very stressful. And I, and I do see it does impact some of the students, whether it's just they become quieter in class or the opposite, you know, some kids are act out a little bit more, but I hope that with our faculty, especially we're really cohesive. And I think that it's so important to have a, a good team backing these kids, especially now. And I, and I think we have that. So I'm, I'm hopeful that our kids are going to be okay once this passes. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with you too. I think at some point it'll just be our new normal, right? Well, we'll get past saying, well, it, when this happened and when this happened, because I think we're turning into a time now where we're just sort of used to it. And I don't know, if, I don't know, Kelly, if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I have a senior at home as well. Mm-hmm. So I totally understand, you know, having children that are in middle school, which is also the crucial years, a lot mm-hmm. of development and a senior, um, you know, that have struggled with, with all of this. So I feel fortunate that you are someone that's in the school system, that children have somewhere to go and somebody to talk to, you know, you're there working with them day by day. So that's, you know, I applaud you for that, um, as well. I think it's really important too. We have our library, our library is open this year, last year it was not. And I Mm -hmm. think the library is such a safe haven for the kids and they're starting to come back to it. Um, You know, the ones that are not used to having a library, we're seven through 12. So our younger kids have not had the experience of being in the library, but I'm starting to see kids coming back and a lot of reading going on, which is great. I think we've picked up that habit from the pandemic. Again, um, books seem to be flying off the shelves. So, you know, like I said, I'm hopeful, hopeful that things will come into that new, new normal soon. Yeah. And it's so important for them, right. To be able to have books and to read and to experience the different types of literature, because I'm assuming that that, like you said, you've had a love of books since an early age. And mm-hmm. I can only assume that that's because you were surrounded and you had access and mm-hmm. you were reading books. Um, and so is that something that you do and that you can give advice to teachers who maybe have students that don't have a love of reading or aren't really the best writers and maybe they want to be, you know, I know sometimes that's hard for teachers to get children interested in reading and writing when they seem so resistant. So what are things that you do in your day-to-day with children that really can engage them a little bit more if they're not interested in that? Um, when I have kids come into the library, um, you know, there are some kids that are, are not really that interested in, and I try and draw on my knowledge of the books on my shelves and go for those high interest books that I think will appeal to the grade level, especially middle school Mm -hmm. kids. You know, when our middle school kids come in, I try to make sure I have a really good selection for them. And I've read the books and they say, Hey, you like this? Do you like mysteries? Do you like cars? Here are things that we can put in your hand to get you interested in reading something else. And then there are times they'll come back and say, I really like that book. And I always try to have some book in my back pocket. Hey, you liked this book? Here's another book. Try this one. Um, You know, we do have our voracious readers that will read two and three books a week. And I struggle to keep them fed with new material. But the struggling readers, the ones that are a little bit more resistant, you know, I try and you just try and give them something that's going to work, whether it's a magazine that is high interest mm-hmm. or it is a, a nonfiction book or even taking them back to those fifth and sixth grade books they love. Diary of a Wimpy Kid here. You know, you like this book. We'll read it again, you know, and that will let us segue into another title. As far as writing goes, um, I've taught younger students as well. I've taught ninth grade students and are are always some kids that, you know, they don't like to write, especially in an academic setting, trying to allow students to write a little bit more creatively. One of the classes that I teach here is um, honors creative writing and um, allowing some of that creative writing into a regular curriculum to uh, hook the kids 
and show them that they can apply some of this more, the more fun things that they do with creative writing, even into academic writing to make it more interesting. So, you know, lots of different ideas in that answer, I guess, but, um, you know, you do what you can, you, you try and engage everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of your writing, how do you find the time, right? So a lot of people are listening to this saying, oh yeah, she wrote a book. She wrote a book. Sounds really easy, but I don't have time to do that. You know, I know a lot of our listeners um, are not only, you know, teachers, parents that maybe have attempted or had great ideas for a book and they just don't think that they can fit writing a book um, into their schedule of working and taking care of a family. And you had told me, um, I believe that you wrote this book pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. When you said that, I was like, oh, wow, if she, if she did that really quickly, like I'm really <laughs> kind of behind in what I could be doing. So how do you fit all of that in with working full time and and other obligations in your life? Um, you just snatch whatever time is available to you. Honestly, my school day here um, ended about an hour before our talk mm-hmm. today. So I sat down and I wrote about a thousand words in between just to to uh, try and exercise those muscles. Um, Normally when I draft, um, it takes between four and six weeks to draft a book. Now that sounds like, wow, that's really quick, but there's a lot of work that I can do um, to make that happen. I am an outliner. I do tend to work on outlines and bits and pieces by hand and um, get basically the structure down for the book. Once I get a structure down, um, whether I do it in, you know, half hour sprints when I'm eating my lunch or at night when I finally get to sit down for an hour and get a little bit of time. Once I get the outline down, the book kind of goes on its own and I will have ideas that just nag at me and I can't not write them down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's difficult. Uh, I've drafted that first novel while I was doing my bachelor's degree and I was working full time here at school in a different position, um, taking 15 credits and writing a novel. So it's, it's possible. It's not easy. But if you really want to do it and it's your dream to get that book and and hold it in your hands like this one, Mm -hmm. you make the time, just like we make time for anything else, any other kind of hobby, you might have to give something else up to be able to pursue the dream to be a writer. So, so really just grabbing those moments to write when you can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whether it's five minutes, whether it's an hour, you, you know, try and make the most of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I'm curious when I was reading your, your latest book, Buried Beneath, I was wondering, is she an expert? You know, does she know a lot about hoarding? Is she, so I want, I'm curious, do other people assume because you've written this amazing book um, on, you know, the story of Shelly Frank and what she sort of went through with her mother and, you know, then in other situations in the book, I don't want to give a whole bunch away, but do people look at you now, like you're an expert on <laughs> hoarding um, and ask you for advice, advice since you've written this book? I haven't had that experience yet, whether or not they think that, you know, I might have had this experience. Um, I did a tremendous amount of research um, in order to make this book viable and to make it as real as possible. There are a couple of uh, organizations out there that deal specifically with children of hoarders Mm -hmm. that are support-based organizations and um, their information was incredibly helpful. The funny thing that is happening 
rather than people looking at me and saying, you're an expert is that people are coming to me and saying, I have this person in my family. I have this aunt, this cousin, this neighbor, someone that they know that has struggled with hoarding disorder. And just like Shelly is dealing with this incredible, deep, dark family secret that she's trying to keep secret at all costs, it is a very hidden dilemma. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like I say in the book, this is a fictional character in a fictional town in New Jersey that I don't know this person. I have not had firsthand experience with someone like Shelley. Um, but I hope that through, you know, the research um, that I did and the conversations I've had with people that do experience situations like this, that she comes through as genuine. It was a very um, nerve wracking experience for me to write this because I really wanted to do the subject justice without sensationalizing it. And I felt that there was a very fine line between making that happen. Well, and I think that you did a wonderful job because, you know, that that just brought me to my next thought. What you just said about sensationalizing it is because as you're reading the story, you're really getting an intricate look at not only, you know, what Shelly's going through being a teenager amidst the chaos of living with a hoarder, but the domino effect of how it really truly affects long-term everybody in her life. Mm -hmm. Um, This isn't something, you know, people watch hoarders now, right? That's a, that's a thing now. And, and so you saying sensationalizing, it makes me think of that show that this really opens this up to really being a much bigger issue and so many more layers than you would ever see um, just sitting down and watching an episode of that show. And so I truly think after reading this, you have done this more than justice and you really do get an in-depth emotional look and genuine feel of what this is like for children that are, you know, you don't, they don't show a lot of that, you know, do they? It's like the parents and the, the people that are doing it, but not the people that are living there that it affects. So did you think about that being really the goal of the book is really the children that are dealing with this mental illness in their parents? Was that one of the purposes that you had for writing this book? Yeah, it was because, you know, we all, we have kids, you know, I have kids and kids are affected by their home life, no matter what. I mean, as teachers, we see that we, we kind of have come to realize that every kid brings their own baggage with them into the classroom and thinking about what a child that was living in this situation would have to experience. You know, I, I toyed with making Shelly younger. I toyed with the idea of, um, like I said, making this more of a middle grade book, but I didn't feel like that was going to be adequate. I think that there are times when kids have to become you know, the adult in the family where kids have to go out and get jobs and help mom and dad um, pay bills. And, and those are the things that we don't really always know about. I think that it's important that we realize that it is not just the hoarder show that we see on television where we get the big cleaning crews and they come Mm -hmm, in and try to mm -hmm. make some semblance of this. There are people There are people that live there and there are people who are affected by it. And it's leaves scars that, you know, just like Shelly is dealing with that Mm -hmm. will leave scars on her that will last her entire life. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And while we're sitting there watching these shows, it's easy for us to say about the hoarder, oh, they should do this and they should just tear the house down and they should just put her in a, you know, whatever home. But like with Shelly, regardless of what her mother was doing and the behaviors and the mental illness, she still loved her very, very much because that was her mother, regardless of, you know, what other people thought of her, how she looked on the outside. Um, so what a great message. Uh, what a great story. Um, I thank you so much for being with us today, Kelly. Um, and please tell our listeners where they can find you and also grab a copy of Gulf of Deception or Buried Beneath. I am on Twitter, I am on Instagram, and I'm also on Facebook at Kay Hopkins Writes. So please feel free to reach out and connect with me there. Um, The book is on sale right now on Amazon. All three of my books actually are out there. I have a third one out as well called High Vices, which is a young adult thriller. Gulf of Deception, High Vices, and Buried Beneath are all on Amazon. Buried Beneath can also be found on uh, Gen Z Publications, which is the publisher. And the other two books are available from the publisher as well um, at campaign books. So they're out there and uh, hopefully you'll be even able to find them very, very shortly on, uh, you know, Barnes and Noble shelves. I know they're getting close to that with this distribution. So fingers crossed. Well, my fingers are crossed and I definitely see that happening. And I'm so excited um, for that. And so for everyone listening, please don't try to jot all of that down if you caught some of it good, but we will also list that where you can access um, Kelly's books and where you can contact her in the description page. So Kelly, once again, Thank you so much. I'm such a fan of this book. I can't wait to read the other ones. And I truly appreciate you um, taking the time out of your busy schedule to be um, a guest on the podcast today. Thank you. I I really appreciate you having me here. And, um, you know, I look forward to talking with your viewers in the future. And this is Christy Hull signing off for this episode of Classroom Matters. And don't forget to check out all of our other wonderful resources at Educate.Today. Today.